section one hundred and two of the inheritance by susan edmundston ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume three chapter thirty one i grant that the stroke which has laid thy hopes low is perhaps the severest that nature can know if hope but deferred may cause sickness of heart how dreadful to see it for ever depart barton gertrude now experienced the agony of suspense in all its intensity restless and unquiet she walked about her own apartment or starting at every sound stopped to listen with suspended breath then pressed her throbbing heart as though she could have stilled its tumults by the touch of her hand why do i submit to this why do i endure it inquired she of herself as she bent her burning brow in shame at the tears that had fallen in showers on her lover's picture on which she had been gazing he left me and at what a time no i will not wait to be rejected cast off like something vile i will go if it were to beg and for a moment she formed the desperate resolution of leaving rossville secretly of flying she knew not cared not where she would find some spot on which to lay her aching head till death should close her eyes but then the madness of the scheme struck her she felt she could not mingle with the vulgar throng young distinguished and delicately bred where could she find a shelter lindsay tis true had offered her a home but her spirit already bowed beneath the load of gratitude she owed to him then with that ebb and flow of mind which is ever the effect of powerful excitement returned her faith in delmore yes it was it must be his love for her which had hurried him from her his was not that selfish passion he had said so a thousand times which would plunge the object he loved in all the wretchedness of poverty and she knew that he was poor that he was even in debt that it was impossible he could support her as he would have his wife appear but he had gone to prevail upon his brother to provide for them and he would come oh yes he would come and claim her as his own it was thus gertrude communed with herself her mind either a prey to despair or busied in vain fantastic dreams which even if they were destined to be realized it was idleness to indulge her agitation was not lessened when on the third morning after her lover's departure intelligence arrived of the death of mr delmore gertrude was not so callous to right feeling as not to hear of this event with mingled grief and awe and the moral was too striking not to fall with conviction on her heart with tears she acknowledged the vanity the emptiness of worldly distinction and kneeling prayed for the moment fervently devoutly prayed in all the humiliation of a contrite spirit and an awakened heart lindsay did not omit the opportunity of enforcing the solemn lesson which came to shed its calming influence on her ruffled breast 
it indeed required no very high sense of religion at such a time to feel the utter insignificance of mere worldly greatness and to acknowledge that its grandeurs are vapours its pleasures illusions its promises falsehoods when he on whom it seemed to have lavished all that it had to bestow was now as if in mockery a thing at thought of which the roused soul swells boundless and sublime but alas these wholesome thoughts were yet strangers in gertrude's heart and the first sudden shock over bright thoughts began to spring up even from the ashes of the dead even in this hour of grief and fears when awful truth unveiled appears some power unknown usurps my breast back to the world my thoughts are led my feet in folly's labyrinth tread and fancy dreams that life is blessed again gertrude's heart bounded as she thought her lover was now earl of rossville able and could she doubt willing to restore her to all she had lost she would have renounced all for him she had stood the test and a thousand ay ten thousand times had he wished that it were in his power to prove to her the disinterestedness of his love in return there was no longer room for uncertainty although he might not choose to involve her in the hardships and privations of poverty yet how would he exult in raising her to the height from which she descended and again gay and vainglorious visions began to swim before those eyes still wet with tears of penitence for former follies suspense was now changed into impatience scarcely less supportable as she counted the days and hours which must elapse before she could receive the assurance of her lover's faith but at length the time came when she might hear from him but no letter was there another and another and another day passed on every instant of which was as an age of agony to gertrude's throbbing soul as again it was overwhelmed with a sea of doubts and again the sickness of hope deferred crept like poison through her veins but who can count the beatings of the lonely heart once more she had watched from her window the arrival of the post again she had held her breath to listen for the footstep that was to bring her the letter on which her existence seemed to depend but a long and dreary pause followed at length it was broken by a message from lindsay requesting to see her something is wrong thought she he is dead or she could not finish the sentence even in imagination but pale trembling gasping for breath she repaired to the library where she was told he awaited her her own agitation was too great to permit her to notice lindsay's as he advanced to meet her and would have spoken but the words died on his lips then gertrude looked on him but it was not grief that was depicted in his countenance yet neither was it joy but a strange mingled expression agitated his usually serene features which she in vain strove to construe he took her hand but it was in a manner more respectful and an air more embarrassed than he was wont to testify towards her with whom he had hitherto been on the very footing of a friend you have heard you have heard lindsay cried gertrude but she could say no more i have said lindsay with an emotion he vainly tried to master gertrude dearest gertrude he turned from her for a moment and paced the chamber in disorder 
while gertrude bereft of all motion stood pale and speechless suddenly he approached her and putting a letter into her hands he held them locked in his while he said in a voice choked with agitation gertrude i cannot now say what i feel but if at this time you can think of me at all think of me as your truest your firmest friend as one who shares your every feeling he then quitted the apartment but gertrude was scarcely conscious he had spoken for a glance of her eye had told her the letter was from delmore it was an opened one and addressed to lindsay with desperate courage she unfolded it she began to read it with a beating heart and a trembling hand but as she went on every nerve and fibre felt as though they were hardening into stone it was as follows dear lindsay the melancholy intelligence of my lamented brother's death would reach you some days ago that together with the heart-rending scene i went through at rossville was almost too much for me and must be my excuse for having so long delayed acknowledging your letter perhaps another motive still more powerful has also influenced me which i know i need not hesitate to avow to you it is the earnest heartfelt desire i have to do every justice to one who though still dearer to me than life and whom it is distraction to me even to think of relinquishing yet at present i fear i may not venture to call mine yet mine i know she is and ever will be in heart as heaven knows how wholly i am hers but circumstances we both are it would be folly madness in short you must be aware of the difficulties with which i have to contend you know and i do not hesitate to acknowledge that i consider birth as the most important of all distinctions and i believe i am not singular in my sentiments upon this subject at least i know my uncle the duke who i ventured to sound upon this matter is still more decided in his opinion and as he is now in a very declining state and as much in his own power i own i am unwilling to come to extremities with him at present you are aware that the rossville property considerable as it is did not prove sufficient during the last year to support the dignity of the family and that considerable debts have in consequence been incurred i am far from intending to convey the most distant insinuation against the dear object of my affections for if any blame was imputable it would be perhaps more justly due to me but she only lived as her rank demanded and as i should choose my wife to do and i merely mention this to prove to you that i am at present far from independent as my own debts that to yourself amongst others dear lindsay are of some magnitude and both together leaves me little choice as to what in common produce i am called upon to do distressing as it is i consider myself called upon for the present to relinquish those hopes which have so long formed the happiness of my life and which i will still cherish even in spite of fate a time may and i trust will yet come when no such heart-rending alternative will be necessary meanwhile it is my most anxious wish that everything should be done that can possibly contribute to the peace and comfort of my adored gertrude i entreat you will therefore prevail upon her to remain at rossville it is my intention to go abroad for a year or two and it will materially contribute to my tranquillity to know that she is still mistress there and in possession of all those enjoyments which i know she prizes so much 
i must therefore entreat your good offices to have everything arranged on this point let her choose who she will to reside with her or should she persist in choosing another residence let everything be arranged in the most liberal manner i enclose you an order upon coots that you may draw on my account for whatever is requisite let nothing be wanting that can in any degree tend to embellish an existence which alas from henceforth like my own i fear will be but a painful one dear lindsay to your hands i commit my treasure on your friendship i place the utmost reliance i know her affections are mine wholly mine and i but who that has loved gertrude could ever love another i will endeavour to write to her myself when my nerves have regained some firmness but at present you may judge of the state of my mind from this distracted scrawl write to me i entreat of you dear lindsay tell me how my dearest love bears herself write by return of post tell me all everything and believe me your affectionate rossville p s the law people are taking the necessary steps to have my rights recognized contrive to save my poor gertrude's feelings as much as possible on this occasion End of section one hundred and two